Hi, Nathaniel. Welcome to episode six of What Board Christians Talk About. Also, hello, hello, everybody else. Yeah, hello, everybody else. You're welcome here, too, I guess. We love all 12 of our followers. Yep. Dearly. Graham, how was your week? It's been pretty good. I've got a little bit more downtime this week, which was nice and which was needed. So I feel a little bit more rested up. Um, so that's been good. And then I'm excited about tonight going to Aaron's PowerPoint party. For those listening who are not a part of Homestead, what is a PowerPoint party? PowerPoint party is when you get together with your friends and everybody prepares PowerPoint presentations about anything they want. It could be serious, but I think the point of it mostly is to be silly and to be funny. The example that Aaron listed was ranking the top best, top five best places you've ever pooped or the top worst place, five worst places you've ever pooped. And the one I'm doing tonight is on like if homesteaders were dog breeds, Mm -hmm. but I I think it's going to be a good time. Yeah, Yeah. I'm sure it will be. What about you, Michael? How was your week? My week's been good. I remodeled our bathroom. That was good. It looks really nice. Kind of hectic. Kind of crazy. A bird lives in our chimney. Bird lives in your chimney. Yep. Lives in our chimney and makes noise all the time. And uh, What about when the winter comes? We're going to cook it. (laughs) We're going to quickly build a fire. It's going to come home to all of its little baby eggs turned into omelets. And it's going to join the pocket giraffes in the depths of hell, huh? That's right. There's no <laughs> redemption plan for animals. No redemption plan. For, that's sad. They're cute. I like my puppy. Well, there's going to be puppies in heaven, but... We just made more people mad. Michael just made more people mad, at least, mm-hmm. by saying that. I mean, I'm trying to do it at least once every episode. You're doing a good job. You make me mad once every episode. Really? I'm just kidding. Oh. You don't. Dang it. Unless people want me to be mad at you and then to crowd please, I can say, well, yeah, I didn't agree with that. I was also mad at Michael for saying that. Mm-hmm. Then you can do the same thing when people get mad at me. Yeah. You can throw me under the bus. Like the raccoon, although he threw himself, <laughs> oh, no. he threw himself under my, Oh no! it wasn't a bus, it was a truck, but I was going down the road and at night, it was like 1030 at night, I was coming home. I'm hanging out with some bros, some dudes, and uh, I was going down the road, and there was a raccoon on the side of the road, and I thought, oh, that he's awfully close to the edge of the road there. Ooh. And so then I was, like, getting a little closer, and I was like, he looks a little squirrely. And then I got really close, and at the last second, he dove under my tire. a kamikaze. Yeah, dude. I think, he thought, I think he thought he was either suicidal, or he thought, like, fight or flight. I've got to take on this massive animal, whatever this thing Dang. is. But what he didn't know is it was a truck. And I drove by him the next day, and it was pretty, <laughs> were, bru- pretty were, brutal. Were you sad? Does it does it make you feel bad when you run over animals? I actually was a little distraught. I I did feel a little bad. Okay. More, I think it may have been more learned behavior than anything. But I was like, I feel like I should feel sad, so I feel sad, you know? Well, it at least makes me feel a little bit better knowing that you felt bad about running over the <laughs> raccoon. I hate when people do that and they're just like, eh. I do think raccoons are cute. So, like, you know, like if I hit, yeah. like, um, if I hit a squirrel, I don't feel too terrible about that. Because they're kind of just like rats. Yeah. Kind of. Just big rats yeah. with, like, a weird tail. But, like, a raccoon is kind of cute, you know, like Guardians of the Galaxy like rocket mm-hmm. they are a, cute 
Raccoon. Squirrels definitely aren't as cute. I still, I still get sad whenever I run over a squirrel. Mm. I ran over a squirrel on Christmas Eve one year, and that was sad. That is sad. But there was one time where I ran over a squirrel where I did not feel bad at all. Because I was I was coming up this hill, and the squirrel came out into the road, and I started slowing down because I'm like, he's, he's going to get off the road. He's going to go one way or another. Well, he keeps darting back and forth and not making up his mind. And I'm like, surely he will make up his mind. So I come to a complete stop, right? And I'm, I'm slightly going uphill too, right? Mm-hmm. So your car naturally as it idles rolls mm-hmm. forward. So that's what I'm doing. And I watch the squirrel disappear <laughs> under my hood. And I'm thinking, I'm going uphill and I'm idling. And my foot's not even on the gas at this point. He has plenty enough time to move. Mm-hmm. Dang. He did not move. I'm like, that thing wanted to die. I have no sympathy whatsoever yes. for that squirrel. He deserved what what he had. Well, squirrels... Because squirrels think that your car is just a big animal. So that's what they do is they like dart back and forth because they're trying to like juke you out. But then when you stop, they think, crap, he sees me. This predator is like toe to toe. So he probably thought, this is my last ditch effort. I'm going to attack this thing. <laughs> I don't I, I don't think they think that much. <laughs> I think. Well, I don't know. <laughs> We're about to talk about that, maybe. That's true. That's because true. Our, our first, first question, question goes into that. Yeah. What a great segue. Yeah. It was almost almost, like we planned this episode. Almost like we planned it. Yeah. So, yeah, our first question is about whether or not animals could talk in the Garden of Eden. So, actually, it's a question that was submitted submitted by my mom. So, shout out to Megan Pearson. Thanks, Megan. She's awesome. Best mom ever. All you other moms out there, feel free to leave us some suggestions. Yeah. You can email us mm-hmm. questions I mean, somewhere. I mean, they are moms, so they're more likely to email the question than text, yeah. probably. So, Except for my mom. My mom is surprisingly good at texting. Like, she, my mom, it's a, a flex that I tell people about my mom. She has the ability to use gifts appropriately. Mm. Like, that's something that, like, the older generation is not supposed to be able to do. Mm-hmm. Like, they're supposed to be very awkward. But my mom, her gift skills are on point. Dang. My mom doesn't have good gift skills, but she did tell me this past weekend, there's like a bit of a family emergency. Mm-hmm. She said in less than 24 hours, she sent and received 1,200 text messages. Wow. That's got to be a boomer record. I think so. I don't know if your mom's a boomer, though. I just assume that. I don't know. what What's the age for boomers? 64 is the last year that mm. you can be considered a boomer. Anything so, older than that and you're not a boomer? Anything older than that, you are a boomer. Anything younger uh, than that. So if you're born after 64, you're not a boomer. Yeah. 46 to 64. Okay. It's official. Ted, the guy that's, in the chair. That's 1946 to 1964. 1946 yeah, 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 yeah. to 1964. So my dad's a boomer because he was born in 64. Mm-hmm. He's the very last year you could be considered a boomer. My mom's not. Yeah. So I just know I'm also the youngest and or I'm the oldest in my family and you're the youngest. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if your mom's a boomer or not. I don't know if she would want you saying yeah, on the podcast. Say, I'm not going to say. <laughs> not that she's ever going to listen to that's this. Probably smart. I don't think. Yeah, I, I don't know if my parents will listen to this or not, but I hope they um, I hope they don't get upset about me talking about their age. 
outing their boomerness? Technically, I did say my mom's not a boomer, and I didn't tell you what year she was born. Mm-hmm. Just that my dad was a boomer, and I don't think he cares, because honestly, I feel like he kind of flexes it sometimes. <laughs> you can talk about your dad's age, but you can't talk about your mom's age. can't talk age. about your mom's age. Disrespectful. Also, maybe this is a real squirrel moment, haha. <laughs> But maybe our next doodle can be roadkill. <laughs> yep. Again, and I don't feel like we've explained this well for the people listening on Spotify either, but because this is on YouTube as well, we have a dry erase board behind Michael and I that says what board Christians talk about. And every after every episode, we have done a little doodle, a little drawing on the dry erase board, a little cartoon to to kind of sum up or talk about some some silly thing we mentioned in a previous episode. So we got like a pocket giraffe up there. We got Jesus playing the didgeridoo from the last episode. We've got like a little house and a little church with boxing gloves and they're fighting. Even though we said churches don't fight. Um, you know, but it's funny. It's a funny cartoon. Anyways... All you Spotify people miss out on that, so maybe watch it on YouTube next time. Yeah. Or else. <laughs> <So aggressive>. I... <laughs> Gotta laugh out of Ted. <laughs> so, um, did animals talk in the Garden of Eden? Well, at first, I kind of shrugged it off. I was like, that's silly. Why would we even talk about that? That's not something that people talk about, is it? When it, When my mom first suggested it. But then the points that my mom made intrigued me enough because what she pointed out was Eve does not seem upset or freaked out by the fact that she, a serpent is talking to her. It se- almost seems like it, like if it was a normal thing that she would have expected a serpent to be able to talk to her. And then for further biblical precedent, we do have Balaam's donkey speaking in the Bible as well. Um, granted that's like one instance in scripture and it was like, cause there was an angel in front of the donkey that Balaam couldn't see, but you do have scriptural evidence that animals talk. So the idea is, is it possible that animals could have talked and communicated with each other and with Adam and Eve in the garden and that that went away with the fall? Mm. That's the idea. And that's the, like the original reasoning that I heard for it. So with just that, what are your thoughts, Michael? Uh, my gut reaction is no. They yeah. probably did not. Uh, but but I can't see it. I have always, like, I have thought of that before, that Eve didn't seem too disturbed by something, an animal talking to her. Mm-hmm. Adam was, like, all the animals were peaceful. Yeah. And, like, Adam was very close to them, and, like, he named them all. And at the very least, there was, like, a more close relationship between man and mm-hmm. animal like it like it doesn't seem like there was as much of a divide as there is now yeah. between man and animal and maybe that's because animals could talk like god gave plants for adam to eat right but not animals not animals. animals didn't come until later mm-hmm. and i guess like why why wouldn't god just l- allow that right away but maybe it's because it would be really weird to kill something that's talking to you. Maybe. I always thought the reason that God told Adam and Eve they couldn't, or like that he, he didn't tell them they can't eat meat, but that he only gave them fruits and vegetables was because 
death came as a punishment and as a result for sin. And personally, I think that included animal death. I don't think animals died before Adam and Eve sinned either. Adam and Eve's sin affected all of creation in a negative way. So in order for them to be eating animals, there would have had to have been death before sin. Mm. And that was that's why I always thought of that. But it is interesting that even after they sin, you don't see God giving the okay of you can eat animals now. Until after the flood, right? when Noah gets off the ark. Interesting that there was a, probably a pretty good swath of human history that that was still kind of a foreign idea mm-hmm. of, you don't eat animals, you eat plants. The more I dove down the rabbit hole of this idea of, could animals have talked in the garden, the more intrigued I became. What's interesting is that there are some animals that talk today. You know, you think of parrots. And, like, are they capable of intelligent conversation? No. But they actually have more vocal range, probably, and capabilities than we do. There's some parrots that can mimic voices perfectly. They can also mimic other animals in a way that we can't, sounds in a way that we can't. And you see videos all the time of dogs that seem like they're talking. Mm-hmm. I remember my grandparents one time, they had this little, like, terrier mix. And one of the other dogs had kind of been pushing it around. And I forget it was my grandfather. My grandmother was like, Tug, why do you always let Gracie push you out, push you around? Like, why do you let him do that? And it sounded like something from the Jetsons. He was like, (laughs) and we were like, what the heck did this dog just talk? So we see dogs at least trying to imitate human speech Mm -hmm. sometime. I watched a video the other day of orca whales trying to, like killer whales, trying Mm -hmm. to imitate the speech of their trainers. Mm -hmm. Um, And and there are animals that even though they don't speak, they have all the parts there. Mm -hmm. Like I read something, I don't know how true this is, but I read that giraffes have like, you know, the, I guess, what is it? The larynx and the voice box or whatever that's there Mm -hmm. should be capable of it. But... On the cerebral level in their brains, they're not really capable of intelligent speech. Mm -hmm. And even parrots, again, it's just mimicking. It's not real Mm -hmm. speech. So you could almost argue that that, some of those things that we see are a reflection of how things were originally supposed to be. Well, just now, I don't know a ton about this, but Neanderthals, right, Mm -hmm. were a primitive, you know, ape species right descendant from apes like truly not like man is descendant from apes but like they were right. just they were just a like very human-like ape that also had all of the same mm-hmm. same vocal capacities as human beings and we at least think that they communicated in some kind of vocal way they didn't have as complex a language but mm-hmm. but more so than like a gorilla might you know ooh, ooh, ah, ah. Yeah, something. But they actually like would have words. Well, they can teach like some trainers do gorilla sign language, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to train train them on some level. I think dolphins have a way of communicating with each other as well. So you do see some some pretty high intelligence levels in animals. And if if sin affected all of creation, it's not entirely crazy to think that 
some animals could have been more intelligent than they currently are before mm-hmm. the fall. Yeah, keep talking. I've got passages that, that just made me think of too. Cool. Another thing that I found really interesting as I, I dove down that rabbit hole, turns out there's another book. Uh, it's an ancient book. It's not in scripture. It's not a book of the Bible. And I don't believe that it should be included in the canon either. That's a whole nother topic. But um, there is an ancient book that fragments of it were found actually in the Dead Sea Scrolls the same time those were discovered. It's called the Book of Jubilees, and it basically goes into more detail about the Book of Genesis and Exodus than what we have. It's claimed that it was delivered by an angel and that Moses wrote down what the angel said Hmm. and that the book was written by Moses. So really interesting, but it has some whack things in there that definitely just don't belong. Anyways, one of the things that it does say, I'm going to read a little portion of it. This is Jubilees 3, 23 through 25, talking about Genesis. And he made for them garments of skin and clothed them and sent them from the garden, talking about Adam and Eve. And on that day on which Adam came out of the Garden of Eden, he offered as a sweet savor, a burnt offering, frankincense and galbanum i don't know and myrrh spices in the morning with the rising sun on the day when he covered his shame and on that day was closed the mouth of all the animals and of the beasts and of the birds and of whatever walks and of whatever moves so that they could not speak for they had all spoken with each other one lip and one tongue and he sent out of the garden of eden all flesh that was in the Garden of Eden, and all flesh was scattered according to its kinds and according to its natures to the places which had been created for them. Hmm. Really interesting. Again, not something to take authoritatively, but it's definitely an interesting piece of the puzzle that there was ancient Jewish literature mm-hmm. that at least some people believed was written by Moses that claimed that animals could talk before sin. Hmm. I mean, I gotta say, I like the idea of it. It kind of makes me think of, uh, I just lost my passage. No, no. (laughs) I guess it wasn't meant to be. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but it, it makes me think of Narnia and specifically a horse and his boy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A horse and his boy. The, I'm not going to get into it, but there's Narnia and then there's surrounding areas around Narnia. Mm-hmm. In Narnia, the beasts can talk, mm-hmm. but on the surrounding areas, oh, yeah, they cannot. Right. The animals are, you know, dumb, as they call them. And so mm-hmm. it's just interesting that, like, Narnia is this picture of God's kingdom at its fullest. Mm-hmm. And then these outside areas are this, you know, kind of picture of godlessness. So it's interesting that the God's country is the one that has talking animals. And then on the outside, it's kind of a myth or it's kind of like in their idea in there. It's like a legend that, oh, yeah, animals talk in that. You know, they say animals can talk in that part of the country, but that's ridiculous. And so then uh, in a horse and his boy, Hmm. one of these talking Narnian horses is stolen from a young age and is brought to these outskirts. And so he hides this horse hides for however long, long time that he can talk. So for a long time, he's just alone. You know, he's sitting in the stables with other horses that can't talk, but he's a talking horse. Anyways, the main premise or the main idea being like in God's country, 
uh, Aslan's kingdom, but mm-hmm. Aslan represents God, is that where it's the most present is where animals can talk. I don't think C.S. Lewis did that on purpose or anything. I don't think that's anything it is interesting, spirit-inspired. I think the idea carries, too, that if that's the if that could have been the case before the fall in the new earth, in the new creation, mm-hmm. will animals be able to talk? That's the other side of that. Yeah. Well, so that kind of brings up, brings me to Isaiah 11 and, and this can be totally butchering and taking it out, out of context. Thanks um, for that disclaimer. Yeah. Total disclaimer. I don't know. I just thought of this <laughs> as we were talking, but and so Isaiah 11 says the wolf shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. Their nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy uh, in all my holy mountain. The picture given is... Things are so peaceful on the mm-hmm. new earth that what used to be prey and predator is our friends. Mm-hmm. They lie together. They recline together. They enjoy each other's company. Yeah. But then he brings in people. And it's interesting because they're all kids, right? He doesn't mm-hmm. say like man will. He says like a nursing child will or this young toddler will. It just makes me think, you know, maybe this picture that he's painting is, you know, at the very least there was a divide between animals and humans. And there was this just, mm-hmm. there was some kind of wall there. Right. That separated them from each other on the new earth. That wall won't be there. Now that wall could literally just be animals wanted to kill us because of the fall. And now they don't, but, mm-hmm. or run from us. Like they either want to kill us or run from us, but potentially, so potentially that's all it's talking about. But it could be, could be more. That what it's saying is that that wall is taken down because there's like an open line of communication now between animals and humans. Now, the other kind of, I don't know, philosophical or ethical objection that I think my brain first raised with the idea is, is the ability to, like if animals could have intelligent communication and thought processes what are the ethical implications of that? Are they equal to humans? Do they have like obviously not? They're not creating God's image. They don't mm-hmm. have a soul. But you think of like AI. Mm-hmm. AI now can carry on conversations with humans, but they don't have a soul. But they're still capable of that. There's, I mean, angels are at least one example of a, a living being that's not human capable of intelligent speech and conversation probably smarter than we are Mm -hmm. actually again not created in god's image and there's no salvation plan available Mm -hmm. for angels there's no redemption available to them so i think you can it i think it would stand then you could have intelligent animals capable of speech Mm -hmm. that still there's no redemption plan for them they're not human they don't have a soul They're not going to heaven when they die. You know, there's nowhere for them to go. They have, they don't have the breath of life in them Mm -hmm. basically. Yeah. But then on that new earth, there will be new animals and these new animals could potentially speak Mm -hmm. and there will be no death at that point. Death will be done away with. Mm -hmm. And at the very least, so are we not going to have bacon in heaven? 
Hmm. That makes me sad. Dang. Well, maybe it'll be like a, like a really good substitute. Like plant, plant plant-based meat bait. will taste really good. In it'll be, yeah, it'll be like better probably. Either but it'll that, grow on a tree. You can go to the bacon tree and pick it off. True. God could have meat grow on trees, or he could just be like, "Boom! Here's some meat," and it didn't come from an animal. Like it's just it's there. Just questionable meat appears. Just appears, and no animal has to die for it. I don't know. I like the idea. So I, I know that I was supposed to take the opposite argument, but I think that I'm, I, I hope animals can talk in heaven. That's pretty cool. And I hope that they You've talk have been pretty well convinced. I like it. I yeah. like the idea. That, that's what surprised me. Cause like I said, when I first heard the idea, I was like, that is ridiculous. Absolutely. That was not true. And I was ready to like give all my reasons why that was not crazy. But then just thinking about it and like the points my mom made and chasing that rabbit trail, I'm like, Actually, this idea is not as crazy as it sounds. Mm-hmm. I lead towards thinking, sure, it's fun to believe that animals could talk in the garden, yeah. and there are some reasons to believe it was at least possible, and that they could talk in the new earth. So that leads to the question, what was the raccoon's last words? What would they have <laughs> oh, been? Oh, no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't think I'm allowed to say those words <laughs> on this podcast. Mm. But anyways, I like it. Animals could talk. Put it in the creed. Put it in the creed. Don't change my mind. That can be the doodle as an animal with like a little top hat carrying on a conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Sounds good to me. There you go. Got it. Got the next one. Well, that one's case closed. I like that. Case that closed. Nice... I like that. We also talked about that way longer than I expected. Anyways, next question. A little bit heavier than mm-hmm. animals talking. Well, and also a little more, more relevant more, than some mm-hmm. of the things we've been talking about. This one's kind of a more hot button issue more controversial mm-hmm. a lot of recent things in the news and in the christian life has been talked about a lot of things have been mm-hmm. uh coming up where people are uh boycotting or you know abstaining from purchasing from a certain place because of their views on whatever so at least what i've heard recently has been target was one of them yeah um i'm not even sure why probably should have looked that up Chick-fil-A is coming under you. under some fire for, you know... Some things. For some things, for going woke, for caring about diversity and... Also, just so things. to give some clarity, because we didn't actually say the question, but next question is, are boycotts biblical? So that's what we're getting at. Well, I was going to get there less ham-handed, but that's fine. We can do that. <laughs> Sorry. I was like, we're going on and on. We're like, we don't even know what the question is yet. Well, hopefully they can infer the question, but... That's true. I'm sorry I didn't have enough faith in you guys. Michael, sorry, maybe I gave you guys too much credit. Michael believes in you guys more than me. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so yeah, boycotts. People are boycotting things. Should they be boycotting things? Is that the right move? Is that helpful? That's the question. With the Target thing, I know the issue that people are mad about, and people have been mad about Target forever, so it's yeah. more like... More, it's almost more of like, a, well, what is it this time mm-hmm. with Target? You know, before, like the first thing that came out was that they were just very pro homosexuality. You know, they were the first company to like really wave the pride flag and people wanted to boycott them then. And then it was the transgender issue of like, we're not going to have men's and women's bathrooms and people wanted to boycott them then. Mm-hmm. And then now it's the issue of they've, they've, started pushing transgender products 
in their stores, like female clothing that have extra fabric to help tuck oh. certain areas Interesting. so that you don't. Yeah. And the biggest problem is that they're pushing products like that for children. Mm. And people are outraged and they yeah. are giving up on Target. Mm-hmm. To get my facts straight, and again, Tad can fact check us, and you guys can also look at this too. What I what I have I've heard people say, oh, they don't have the kids' products, but they do have the adult products, um, and they're having them in the front of the store. No, they're having them in the back of the store. From what I understand and everything that I've heard, they had transgender products that they were selling for both adults and children, and they were putting the products at the very front of the store. Because of the out, outrage against it, they have lost a lot of money. They've moved those products to the back of the store, and m- at least most stores, I believe, have removed the children's pr- trans products from their shelves. Mm. That's what at least I understand to be the case at the moment. I could be wrong. And also, when this podcast comes out two weeks from now, Target could have changed again. Mm-hmm. So, who knows? Understa- I mean, I think it's understandable that people are upset. This is oh, yeah. a pretty bad thing. This is a pretty bad issue. For the sake of argument, I've heard so many people say, well, we should boycott because boycotts don't help anything. Like, they never make a difference anyways. Well, Target's lost millions of dollars mm-hmm. because of this. And I think they did back down from, I could be wrong. Again, fact check me on this. But I think some of them did back down on the bathroom thing. And they still have men and women's bathrooms. Mm-hmm. Like, it does seem to be one of those areas, well, there's there's actually been some level of success mm-hmm. to the boycotts. There's an argument for that side of things, at least. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Well, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, the company, no matter what they say their their values are, what they say their, you know, their reason for being in business is, the truth is they're in it for the money. And if they start seeing revenue go down, they'll change what they need to change. At least when it comes to to the to worldly businesses, mm-hmm. right? But everybody's got to make a living. I mean, whether that's the right move or the wrong move, I don't know. But revenue is what motivates these companies. Anheuser-Busch is another one that's come under fire. Though that is less Christians up, up against it. Anheuser-Busch is Bud Light. And oh, a bunch of yeah, yeah. Because of, what is it, Dylan Mulaney? Is that his name? Yeah, I think that they... When he canceled, they just misgendered him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still saying him. Whoops. It, it looks like for Target, it, I don't... It, it's, it's pushing the, the tuck-friendly swimsuits and things of that way. Target corporate has said that it's only advertised to adults. This is from the Daily Wire. And it, it just looks like it's for adults, according to this. But still, it's the... It's the trans issue. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think that I have seen, though, that they do have, like, pride products for kids. They do, yeah. I've seen that, that too. That I know. So, either way, anyway, so Anheuser-Busch also came under some fire for mm-hmm. the CEO, I guess, is or something. Something to do with the... Man, I should have looked this up. What is it? What well, Anheuser-Busch, people are boycotting Bud Light. That's not necessarily yeah. Christians. That's that's more right wing people are boycotting. Right. It. The 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 controversy was that there's this guy Dylan Mulvaney that has said that he has uh, 365 days of being a woman of womanhood or girlhood is what he says mm-hmm. girlhood specifically, 
And Bud Light's, all right, well, let's get you on the marketing thing and put your face on a can of Bud Light okay. and send it out. And that is their way to support him being I see. a girl. I see. Mm-hmm. So their sales have gone down. I mean, it's like wild. Yeah. If you look at, you know, you, I mean, probably, I don't know if this will still be the case when this releases, but you can actually go to Walmart. And if you look in that beer section, like there's mat- cases and cases of Bud Light. But then everything, all other beers, like gone, because nobody wants to support that. Because nobody wanted to support it. Mm-hmm. I think boycotts work because if people really do get behind it and stop purchasing whatever it is or stop purchasing from that place, mm-hmm. like the company is going to give because they've got to keep their revenue up. They've got to pay pay the bills, keep the lights on. So we can effectively debunk the idea and the argument that boycotts are ineffective. I think, I think the, there's plenty of evidence to say they're effective. Mm-hmm. You can, you. I think it's fair to say not all of them end up being effective. Yeah, but boycotts are an effective strategy that has worked in the past and will continue to work in the future. So if boy, if if you're taking that argument out of the equation, then what would the argument against boycotts be? I mean, if it's a bad thing, if it's an evil thing that does not honor God and it's effective, and boycotting it stops it from happening, why not? It's a great question. I don't have a great answer. <laughs> <laughs> I've got some ideas, but... Yeah, playing devil's advocate, okay, and thinking pros and cons of this. I think some cons are that when, especially Christians, boycott everything that doesn't honor the Lord, well, we should just move to Amish country at that mm-hmm. point and start making our own clothes and our own food and being completely self-sufficient because there's no possible way that we can live in a society and do business in a society that promotes all of these things if we're just going to boycott every business that might use our money to do things God doesn't approve of. Mm-hmm. So let's just go ahead and move to Amish country and become Amish, you mm-hmm. know, if that's what we're going to do. If you're going to argue that you should boycott things like that, we'll be consistent and become Amish. Mm-hmm. You know, that's really, if you don't, then you're not consistent, in my opinion. Yeah. Maybe that's too black and white. Well, maybe it is, but at the same time, show me show me your wardrobe. Show me your dresser, and I will go through and I will find the brand, and I can show you, you know, I can Google it, and I can either show you something in that company that they, the company has done or participated in that you wouldn't mm-hmm. agree with. I can show you the sweatshops that it was made in and the poor conditions for the people that were across the sea that made it, you know, like a bigger issue too. It is in my opinion. Yeah. But where you put your money, like you said, unless you're Amish and you make everything yourself, like where you put your money is, it's going to go towards something God would not approve of in some way, or it's going to go into somebody's pockets that you would not approve of. I mean, right. But you live in the world. You can't Mm -hmm. completely remove yourself from it. And I think the other danger of it is that by doing that, even if it's effective, even if some of these companies back off, I think we've gone about it in a way that people have a better better idea in their heads of what we're against than what we're for. And I know that's a cliche that's said a lot. And a lot of times I think it's said by people that are maybe too soft. And they're almost too affirming and too accepting of sin in society. And I don't think we need to do that. I think we do need to be firm and be strong 
the world should understand that we agree with God about sin. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, they should. But we've done so in a way that if you go to any lost person, they can more accurately articulate what a Christian is against and the things they hate than the things that we love. Mm-hmm. And I think that's sad, especially when you consider that the Bible says that we're supposed to be known for our love, that they will know you by their love. It doesn't say they will know you by your strong stance against homosexuality. Mm-hmm. You will be known for your love. We're not known for our love. We're known for our hate and what we're against. And that's where I think the biggest danger in boycotting lies. Yeah, I agree. I think one of the things along those lines that becomes an issue is it makes Christianity look like it is purely concerned with moral behavior. Mm. And if, if, if you're following morals that we agree on, you know, if you follow our principles and you do everything right, then you're a part of it. And if you, if you don't do everything that you're supposed to do, then you are separated from us and Mm -hmm. I can have no contact or I, I don't want to have any, anything Mm -hmm. to do with these things that are against my moral code. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's okay. Like it's good to have your morals and believe in them. God is obviously very clear about what he expects from human beings Mm -hmm. and what he like designed the world to be like. But one of the things that I've heard since I was in middle school is that, you know, Christianity is not, uh, not a religion. It's a relationship. I think that's true. It's cliche, but I think it's true. Like following Christ, you're following a person. You're not following something that is, you're not following, you're not following a dead set of rules, an ancient set of rules that was put up, you know, Mm -hmm. 4,000 years ago. And so we, we do that because that's what my daddy's daddy did. My daddy's 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 did, but we follow a person that is alive, Mm -hmm. you know, and wants relationship with us. So I think that's true, but I think it's just, it's just a shame when it becomes not about putting forward a person, Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Christianity is no longer about putting forward Jesus, but putting forward our set of moral Mm -hmm. beliefs, our moral code. And what is interesting about that is I feel like, like you said, it's a cliche. And so I feel like because it's cliche and people say it all the time, probably a lot of the same people saying Christianity is is a relationship, not a religion. They're the same people that might be guilty of turning it into a religion with how religiously they adhere to these boycotts and are Mm -hmm. known for what they're against. Mm -hmm. So there's an irony there, I think, as well. Yeah. My tweak with the cliche and why I like Winston made a face when you said that, I agree with the sentiment. I don't fully agree with the wording. Mm. I think I would change it to say Christianity is more relationship than religion. Mm -hmm. I think if if you take the relationship out of the religion, what you have is a dead religion that can't save you, and that's dangerous. I also think, though, that taking the religion out of the relationship is also dangerous. Mm -hmm. Doctrine and theology are not bad things. Mm -hmm. They're good things. And we should learn how to have good doctrine and theology. But they are religious things. Mm -hmm. You know, they're important. They're not as important as the relationship. That's first and foremost. That's the number one thing. 
But I think the problem with that cliche is it has actually turned religion into a bad thing. It's almost villainized it. And I don't know that that was the original intent of the expression. Mm -hmm. But I just bring that up to say, I think you need both. You need religion and relationship. It's just more relationship than religion. Right. Well, it's relationship that pushes you towards doing the religious activities. Mm -hmm. You know, like having a quiet time or reading your Bible or praying or singing worship songs. Feeding the poor. Feeding the poor. Those are religious things. Mm -hmm. Those are things religions do. But if you are Mm -hmm. doing those things because, purely because Mm -hmm. that's my religion, that's not, it's a dead religion, like you said. It's not going to save you. If you do those things because Jesus loves me and died for me, and that's what motivates you to to Mm -hmm. do those religious things, then I think that's good. Yeah. So, I also think the religious aspect is like, again, doctrinal beliefs and theological beliefs, like the Trinity. Mm -hmm. Okay. The doctrine of the Trinity is important. The doctrine of original sin. These are all things that we can, we can believe and be rooted. And this is why we have like a statement of faith. It's like we have the creeds. The creeds aren't very relational. Mm-hmm. They're religious. But it's really important mm-hmm. that we believe those things, you right. know? So that's why, why I say like there's, there's importance to both, but it is relationship that's the most important thing. And the religious things you do should be driven by their relationship. Mm-hmm. That's rabbit trailing a little bit. A little bit of a rabbit trail, but to bring it back to the conversation and why we're talking about this is because, is that that what we want to put forward to the world is, well, here's our moral code. This is what our religion says. Or is it, here is what relationship with Jesus looks like. Here's why we do the things we do. Mm -hmm. Is your motivating factor just, well, Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to follow these these list of rules. And if I don't follow these list of rules and there's a problem, mm-hmm. so I can't support your company because it doesn't follow my list of rules. Right. You know, and what I, what I think I could get behind more easily, because we're also talking about like the way that boycotts are done most of the time and the way they're perceived as this very angry, disgruntled thing. I think it looks different and I'm more okay with this idea of, you know what? I don't have to buy this thing at target. I can buy it at Walmart. And it doesn't have to be a nasty thing. You can just kind of avoid shopping at Target. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Target smells funny anyways. Yeah. Target's... I don't know why. Yeah. But, you know, if you actively... Or, or Starbucks. Like, Starbucks, they don't want my business as a Christian. Well, that's fine. I don't have to get my Starbucks. Their from, coffee's not even that good. I boycott them because they have bad coffee, not because they don't like Christians. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Now the the I think the CEO of Starbucks did more or less come out and say like yeah if you're a Christian and you believe in in traditional marriage views then I don't want your business okay yeah. well fine I'm not gonna be nasty about it but I'm I'll get my coffee somewhere else mm-hmm. you know I think that's okay the problem what I the danger I think is if you are gonna actively avoid some of these places that are just really in your face about this evil. It's very easy if you're not careful for that to get turned into law. Mm-hmm. Because what happens when Walmart's all out of milk? And so you got to run into Target and grab a gallon of milk because it's on your way home. And somebody sees you coming out of, out of Target, you know, and they're, I can't believe he went to Target mm-hmm. to get milk, you know. And now it becomes a judgmental and a legalistic thing. Like, is it is it good and helpful to avoid Target? Yeah. 
but are we going to turn it into like it's a sin to ever buy anything from there? Mm-hmm. I really need coffee and I'm traveling and the only coffee shop around that I see is Starbucks. I don't even like their coffee, but I need to stay awake. You know, am I sinning by buying a coffee from Starbucks? No, Mm -hmm. I don't think so. I think that's kind of silly to think that. But if we're not careful, it can turn into a very legalistic thing and it can turn into a very judgmental thing where not only now are we against what Target stands for and we're against what Starbucks stands for, we're against anyone who does business with them. Mm -hmm. And we're ready to, to judge and reprimand any Christian who buys a product there for any reason. Mm -hmm. That's when I think you're also getting into a a dangerous and not okay place. Mm -hmm. And I think that plays into something we talked about in one of the first or maybe the second podcast where something that is a sin for you that may not necessarily be a sin for somebody else, Mm -hmm. you know, it, it might be if you really feel that strong conviction that you should not be shopping at Target because of their views well, I mean, I I respect that. I un, I mean, I even understand it. Yeah. But I don't necessarily feel the same way. I think at that point, you look at those two people and you say, well, what may be true for you is not true for this person. What may be a sin to you is not a sin to this person because they don't feel the same mm-hmm. convictions that you do. And there's no verse in the Bible that says, thou shalt not purchase items from right. a store that disagrees with biblical view i think that's that brings up a a good point while there is no verse that says thou shalt not shop at target i do think we'd be doing a disservice to people to talk about this question of whether or not boycotts are biblical and not bring the bible into it on some level our opinions are bunk if (laughs) we don't back it up with scripture so i know we had a couple of passages i mean can you imagine if we had an episode where the only scripture that we read came from a book that's not canon? Yeah. <laughs> that would be bad. What's well, all right. I read so, Isaiah. So. That's in the Bible. Yeah. Anyways, some passages I think that would be good to read. Uh, Mark 12, 13 through 17. Got your Bible? Yep. Usually I use my phone and my phone's being used to record video. So mm-hmm. I forgot to bring my paper Bible in. It's still in the car. And again, while you're looking that up, I just want to make it clear too. It is not our intention on this podcast to make a form our opinions, make our points, and then go to scripture and use scripture to back up what we're saying. That should never be anyone's approach to scripture. What we want to do is look at what the Bible does the Bible have anything to say on this topic, and then let the Bible be the main authority there. It can be really dangerous. To like form an opinion and then be like, and now I'm going to go to the Bible to prove it. Because then you're going to make the Bible say something it doesn't say. So we don't want to do that. So we encourage you also look up these scriptures for yourself. Look into the context of them. And we're going to see what principles might be relevant to this conversation. So with that disclaimer aside, uh, Mark 12, 13 through 17. And they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians and to trap him in his talk. And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why put me to the test? 
Bring me a denarius, and let me look at it. And they brought one, and he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. And Jesus said to him, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. So that's a passage we've already talked about on the podcast, actually, already. I remember there, I remembered as you were reading it, there was mm-hmm. an earlier episode where it was actually the episode where we talked about apologetics, and I brought up mm-hmm. that passage as one of my favorite examples of Scripture and of Jesus countering the Pharisees because these people are trying to trap him in his speech. I think the principle that's relevant here is that they were trying to trap him, hoping that you know, if he said, no, you shouldn't pay taxes, he's an enemy of Rome. If he says, yes, you should, then he's saying that God's people should support a very ungodly government. That is basically why they think they have him trapped. So even though this is talking about taxes and not a specific boycott, there would be an element there of like, well, hopefully the the religious people would want you to boycott the government by not paying taxes. Mm-hmm. And that's a popular belief still today. There are there are some Christians that don't think we should pay taxes for that reason, that the government's evil and it's corrupt. And Caesar definitely was not exactly pinnacle of righteousness. You know, he's not mm-hmm. he's not the best dude. Definitely very immoral, definitely a very immoral, godless government and society. Oh. And Jesus still said to pay taxes. He still said, give them, your, give them their money. Render to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. I I think that it could be, again, I don't want to take the passage out of context just to make my point, but I do think that you could establish principles from that passage that would imply not necessarily immoral to let your money go towards somebody that's probably not going to use it well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, because what they do with their, well, at that point, you buy something, mm-hmm. it was your money, you gave them your money in exchange for something, it becomes their money. It's not your money anymore. And what they do with it, well, that's up to them. Like, mm-hmm. render to Caesar what is Caesar's, you just render to Target what's theirs, it's their money. Like, if they're going to do something evil with it. It's on them. It's on them. There's probably a bigger principle there, too, about... Rendering the gods what is God's. I think that's the bigger point. And I think it all it all shakes out how it needs to shake out. God, God ultimately is the one that presides over and runs everything. You can kind of trust wherever you put your money. Like mm-hmm. the Lord is working that out. You know, if you if you truly yeah. view your expenses as God's, your money as God's, then you just put it where you feel He has led you to put it. And if you feel like he's told you not to take it to Target, don't take it to Target. Yeah. You know, that's his, it's his decision. I agree. While I, while I think you can infer the point that it's okay to let your money go to somebody who will use it for sinful things from that passage. I I don't want to ever look at that passage and think that's the point. That's what that passage is talking about. Like you said, the bigger point there is rendering to God what is God's. Mm Mm-hmm. So without getting too preachy and off topic, that's the takeaway from that passage that I hope people have. Anyways, the other passage that I think might have some some helpful insights for us on this topic is 1 Corinthians 8, 1 through 9. Mm -hmm. 
Now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence and that there is no God but one. For although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord Jesus Christ through whom are all things and through whom we exist. However, not all possess this knowledge, but some, through former association with idols, eat foods as really offered to an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. Food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat it, no better off if we do. But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. So I think there's several principles in there that speak into this issue of boycotting. And again, that passage is not written to address the subject of boycotting. But I do think it has principles in there that are appropriate to apply to, to, to this topic. One, again, here you have the issue of some people are thinking wrong to eat meat that's sacrificed, been sacrificed to idols because A, you got to buy this meat. It's not like it's free. You're purchasing meat from pagans mm-hmm. who are worshiping false gods. We're really demon worship. And the concern was that, especially for people who had a background in that, by purchasing that meat and then by eating it, you yourself are actually supporting the worship of false gods and supporting the worship of demons even. And so they're like, we're not going to let our money go towards supporting this demonic thing. Mm -hmm. This is terrible. And we're not going, like eating that meat would have been considered an act of worship, I think, of itself. Of like, this meat has been sacrificed to demons, to false gods. By eating this, I'm worshiping them. And so Paul's saying, not really. Like, there's really nothing wrong with buying and eating this meat. Mm -hmm. You're free to do it. There's nothing wrong with that. So on that side of it, you can take that principle and, and I think establish it's not wrong to do business with pagans. It's not wrong. It's not sinful to do business with godless people who are going to use your money for bad things. Again, mm-hmm. it's really hard to establish this idea that you should never buy something from someone who's sinful. That's ridiculous. And so I think this passage supports the idea that it's ridiculous. But what's interesting here and why I wanted to bring this passage up is that Paul brings in this other principle of like, even though it's fine and there's nothing wrong with it, like you don't have to boycott meat that's been sacrificed to idols, essentially. Mm -hmm. If there are brothers and sisters who are really offended by it and they think it's wrong, don't use your knowledge of this freedom to cause them to stumble Mm -hmm. and to make them upset. And so I think sometimes you get, you get, you know, you get Christians or anybody under a roof, they start fighting about Mm -hmm. something. And so sometimes you get some people going, if you're a Christian, you should never, you shouldn't be doing business target. You shouldn't be doing business at Starbucks. Like if you're a Christian, how can you allow your money to go 
to these awful corporations? How can you support what they're doing? If you give them their money, you, you're a part of what they're doing. And these other Christians are like, no, I'm not. That's ridiculous. That's not biblical. That's not how it works. I'm going to shop at Target if I want to. And they're almost like in their face about it. And it's like, okay, well, who's right? At this point, neither one. One's more, okay, technically you're right and that it's not wrong to do this. But you are sinning in your freedom Mm -hmm. because you're using it as a weapon to cause division in the body. Mm -hmm. And that's not okay. When it comes to boycotting and things like Target, I I avoid Target because... I'm like, yeah, they are kind of in your face and they, they, they're pretty raunchy. Like mm-hmm. they stand for some really bad things. I don't like that. So I try to avoid them. Do I think it's a sin to ever walk into a target and buy something? Cause you, you need something or maybe they're the only ones that has what you're looking for. No, I don't think it's wrong. And I've, I've gone to target and bought things before. I know I just got canceled again, but I've done it. You know, I don't think it's sinful to do, but I do actively try to avoid target. Also for the conscience of other believers, though, because I know there are people that are going to get so mad about it and so mad that I went into a Target. Oh, no. Yeah. That I, I don't want to make a big deal about it. I was, I was, as we were kind of talking about this, I was thinking of Jeremiah 29, where uh, Israel has been exiled into Babylon. It was right before they go, and Jeremiah has a letter, and he says... Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there. and Do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. There's a ton of different principles you can take away from there. Maybe the one that I want to think about uh, when it comes specifically to boycotting is just the idea of living in the world and not of it. Absolutely, there are businesses that are not run by Christians. There are, you know, in air quotes, pagans selling meat. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean you can't interact with them. That doesn't mean you should put up a wall and say, well, because you, like this doesn't this mm-hmm. doesn't align with my beliefs, so I, ha- I can't have anything to do with it. What God is giving the Israelite people is assurance that, hey, mm-hmm. even though Babylon is despicable, if you want to read how despicable God thinks Babylon is, you just got to read uh, Isaiah uh, 13. God's very upset with Babylon, but still sends Israel into exile there and tells them to stimulate their economy to to not only stimulate their economy, but like to pray for them, Mm -hmm. to pray that Babylon would be blessed, that they would actually do well. And don't just shut your life down because you're in a godless place, but to actually engage and do business, build Mm -hmm. houses Make a life for yourself and for your family when it comes to boycotts specifically. Mm. Hopefully a verse like that can take some weight off your shoulders that like there is, there is something worth fighting for, but Mm -hmm. you can also trust that um, God isn't going to condemn you 
for living your life. Uh, and yeah. so sometimes living life looks like purchasing from businesses that don't align with him. Doing business in Babylon. Doing business in Babylon. And so hopefully, I don't know. I mean, to me, that kind of, because obviously, like, I don't want to disappoint God. Like, I don't right. want to, I don't want to support something that he's like super upset about, but also like, like I said earlier, how can I, you know, how can I fill my dresser full of clothes that aren't full of some kind of unethical or despicable past? Mm-hmm. I, I can barely put, like, why do you think we have gas at gas stations? Because of awful, well, this is getting way off, but because of awful wars in other countries that where tons of people have died, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's just no ethical way to live life. And God's not like, you don't have to be paralyzed by fear, worried that you're, you know, supporting something I don't support. Just, just live your life, mm-hmm. build your houses, marry and give your kids in marriage, seek the welfare and pray for the city. And so I think some kind of carryover when it comes to Target because of that. I don't know what that looks like. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we're supposed to pray for Target's welfare and seek the welfare of Target by spending our money. That's not necessarily what I'm saying. But I'm but but I guess what I'm saying is there's certainly no mandate right to go and boycott it. And like we said earlier, if you do feel some kind of conviction, by all means, don't go. Yeah. And if you don't feel a conviction but you know someone close to you does, mhm, then like look out for them. And don't shop for you. Don't shop there. Another passage that came to mind as you were talking that I think applies as well, and it's New Testament. Be good Bereans and look up where this is. I'm thinking it's 1 Corinthians 5 or 2 Corinthians 5. But there's a place where Paul mentions don't have any kind of association with people who are like this. And then he clarifies and he says, I don't mean unbelievers. For what business is it of mine, what people who don't belong to God do? Mm-hmm. But I'm saying this about people who say that they're brothers and sisters in Christ. They're actually living immoral lifestyles. Don't associate with those people. Mm-hmm. And it's in the context of church discipline. Yeah. I think what's funny is that in a sense, we've flipped it. We'll forgive Christians at all kinds of weird things. Mm. We'll 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 brush so much stuff in the church under the rug sometimes, and we won't excommunicate people that really at this point they ought to be. First Corinthians There's, five eleven. First Corinthians five eleven. But we will excommunicate the world, which is mm-hmm. the exact opposite of what Paul said to do. We should be way more concerned about the immorality that goes on in your own life mm-hmm. and in the church than in the world. Yeah. Biblically. Absolutely. Well, the world is going to be the world. Like, why would you expect them to follow your moral code? They don't have that. And so to put up that wall and say, like, I'm cutting off any interaction with you because I because I don't think you're doing the right things. Well, dang it. Now, how are they now? How are they going to figure out that there is a love that covers all kinds of sins, you know? How are they gonna? How are they gonna hear these things if you have nothing to do with them? I don't know how to end that on a light note, but we're yeah. past our hour, so we are. So, bye, love you guys. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> bye, Nathaniel, and everybody else watching or listening. We love you. Buy some merch. Yeah, look at this mic, and we'll love you more. Also, there's a new mic. Hey guys. We got a-
You may wonder yeah. why we sound so crisp and fresh. You may wonder why your ears were crying from happiness and tingling. It's because we got a new mic. We got a new mic. It looks nice for everybody watching on YouTube, and it also sounds so much better. So I'm told this is our first day using it, so I haven't actually heard it myself, but I'm told it's wonderful. But technically you have heard because the episode should have passed by now. Yeah, but I mean, even though we changed clothes, I feel like people know at this point we record two episodes at the same time. We tried. This podcast is all smoke and mirrors, guys. This is getting really meta. Bye. (laughs) Hey, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. If you like what you see, maybe give us a subscribe. If you don't like what you see, why are you at the end of the video? If you want to watch us, find us on YouTube at What Board Christians Talk About. If you want to listen to us, find us on Spotify and most major podcasting platforms at What Board Christians Talk About. And if you want to follow us on social media, we're on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok as WBCTA2023. We'll also have a merch store up, and the links to that will be available on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Again, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next episode of What Board Christians Talk About.